I'm seeing a theme here. So you guys are starting to become more mature and handle the anxiety and the emotions. I want to go that far. But I mean, so you're yeah, saying I'm not mature. <laughs> hey, the handle of the anxiety. You're saying, yeah. you're saying yeah. I got a 40 year old with a mohawk and two ears. Okay. You know? <laughs> Welcome to Shankcast number 29. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Pleasure to have you here, Matt and Mark. Thank you for being here. Oh, my Thank pleasure. You. Thank it's you. It's been for the great. Invite. Let's let's check in a little bit. So we've done we've published what like three or something mm-hmm. since we three official ones. And nope. it looks yep. looks like it's been like the feedback's been solid, right? We've been publishing it to your your YouTube channel. Yeah, and definitely appreciate for you, you know, giving me the rights. I'm assuming this is your official. We saying, don't have enough time. Okay. We've got so many <laughs> videos. Like, but no, I just want to like, just give a shout out to the yeah. audience. Like, yeah. it, it looks like people are enjoying the the conversations, and a lot of people weighing in with Correct. their thoughts too. And what what I really like about it is, you know, obviously this is mainly an audio thing, but on the YouTube channel, you get to see our faces, you get to mm-hmm. see our you know our facial expressions, and <laughs> <laughs> the discussions I'm getting on the comment section, I actually like it when they disagree with one of us or all of us, as long as it's in a constructive, non-trolly kind of manner. Right. Because I always want to see what other people think. There are some things I might have missed. Definitely. There are some things yep. I didn't think about. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Thank you for your conversation, guys. This is great. <laughs> and also getting to know Matt and Ian on you know, not being across the tennis net, even though I've never played against you, Matt. Right. Not yet. Maybe you could yeah, you don't that. want any of this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that might be a quick one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been an absolute pleasure working with you know tennis minds such as yourself in this type of setting in this type of format. It's been great. Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, it, it, it's been pretty fun. The again, what reiterate what you said—the banter back and forth. Where I think it's funny, no matter agree or disagree, when the comments start uh threading and they're disagreeing agreeing with each other within the thread which is which is pretty fun because i mean at the end of the day there is really no right or wrong answer it's it's all your opinion yeah and and exactly and that's why it's fun to do things like this Mm -hmm. and as you said you know shank cast was originally founded on there are some things that we can talk about that not normal tennis coaches Mm -hmm. in a regular tennis club environment can talk about because that would get them Written up, fired, or shunned by the tennis industry, which uh, may or may not happen to me sometime in the near future, but bring it. All right. Well, today we're talking about regulating emotion during important tennis matches. Uh, man, so this is, let's go, let's go around the table and talk about the, the emotional low that each of the three of us have had that we're like least proud of. Let's give a little context, you know, for Matt and Mark and I, we've all had our own experiences. We've, we've been around the block a couple of times in mm-hmm. terms of competitive tennis. Where and when, do you, like, what's the most painful memory you have of just, like, losing it emotionally? I have two. Uh, my first one, <laughs> my first one was in high school, and the, the tricky one in high school, I, I grew up in the UP, so high school tennis wasn't very big so i was a a very good player for my area mm-hmm. and i can't remember what what grade it was freshman or sophomore i started being challenged more where i was still winning but i was getting that diva status as i wasn't winning maybe fast enough or and i started 
doing the old racket chuck a lot. And my mm. dad basically, he didn't say anything during one of my matches. Where are we, where are we, when you say chuck, are we talking like the frisbee throw, the bounce, like uh, it the tomahawk? Was, it like, was all, about? all above right <laughs> yeah. there. And you were so, uh, an expert. In- yeah, I was, I was a good chucker. And, <laughs> and so my, like I'm playing a match. I win the match. My dad left before the match is over. And I get back home and he's basically like, if I ever see you throw your racket again, you're done. My and, dad said the same thing. And it like my dad, you know, that one like hit me like, okay, I'm, I'm being like a baby out there, whatnot. And I was good for a while. And then, I don't know, it was like sophomore year of college. Um, and again, I didn't even play on the team, but I pl- we played all the time because of PTM and, and all that stuff. And playing competitively a lot, you know, I was doing club and, and playing against, uh, you know, friends. I hit a spurt where... I started chucking again, and this time the difference was I had like five or six rackets, so I, I, I cracked one, and Ooh. I was like, not a big deal. I have four more, <laughs> and then I broke another one, and I was like, well, I, you know, I don't have money to buy rackets, so that one hit me too, and I think somebody said something like, what are you, what are you upset for? Like, you're not even on the team. Like, what, what is your mindset? So those were my two ones that I... I got put in check and I don't remember like specific, the one in high school, the specific match, but I don't remember in college, but I was, I just went through a phase of like, I was just being a big baby on the court. Did your dad or your mom, if she was the one taking you to tennis tournaments, did they, did they ever give you like a smaller talk of like, Hey, probably not a good look instead of that kind of like ultimatum your dad? No, I I think the reason why though, too, like when I was a kid uh, playing other sports, I I was pretty emotional. Like it's pretty funny. Uh, I think, Anybody that plays, I don't want to say even a high level, plays sports from the time you're maybe six, seven, eight, doesn't matter, and you continue to play sports, mm-hmm. you are very competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't keep doing these things because you like to lose. So, uh, my big ones were wrestling, I think I talked about before in baseball, and anytime I lost in those when I was young, I cried. Like, really? the, yeah, I mean, what, it, what age were you talking? Uh, probably like seven, eight okay. Uh, okay. up through like maybe, I don't know if it was like 10. I don't know if it was that late, but like team sports t- tone that down a little bit because like you're the emotion of the team. Right as well. But, but yeah, I mean, I went through like that emotional spurt. Like, I, I mean, I just hated losing so bad and I couldn't, I didn't know how to deal with like the emotions of press. Frust- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, for me, I always expected to win. I felt like nobody should be better than me, even though I, did my very very fair sh- share of losing in every sport with that mindset though this is great therapy by the way yeah exactly i, I think as we go around it's, yeah, it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be this good is gonna tra- be better yeah. for us than you guys <laughs> yeah. so are one of us expected to be crying and thankfully the whiskey is here this session this is filled with tennis tears <laughs> yeah, there you go. Here. Tennis so tears, that's good i, I want to and maybe we could talk about this in another podcast topic but that that expectation of always wanting or always expecting to win a lot of people say that might be unhealthy but also it could be healthy as well because you're out there and you're like looking across the net who the hell is this guy i'm gonna take him down it's a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. it is but i would say it is more negatively in tune than you know positively but there are some positives to that kind of mindset yeah I, i mean just real quick on that i think now the difference obviously is you know as you get older and you can think about things and so a great example right now is if I was to step on the court with either one of you, mm-hmm. I would be a extreme heavy underdog, but I expect to beat you both when I step on the court. Mm-hmm. The difference is the difference is when I probably would lose, 
I can process that much differently now. But any t- I don't you have care. a different lens. To like you have more experience uh, uh, and different lens to look, look through now. Yeah, but if I'm on the court, I don't care the level. I'm think there, there's a reason I'm there, and it's to win. Yep. You know, and I get it to improve and all that good stuff. But but I can just process it now. Of okay, it's the, the competition's over. I can leave it at that. And that's one of those things too, where um, thank you. I think it's actually. Tennis players on the ATP, WTA, and high competitive uh, situations do it really well, where they are fighting like dogs on the tennis court. But as soon as the match is done, they're actually nice people. And I think that's very, very specific to tennis at a high level. You, you really don't see that in like basketball. You don't see mm-hmm. that in the hmm. you know in other, I would say, team sports. But that's again, that's just my opinion. Yeah. It's just like yeah, like oh, they're fighting each other. But at the end of the day, you know, they're friendly people yeah. off the court. It's almost, it's kind of hard to be a prima donna in tennis because you take all the responsibility in either mm-hmm. direction. It's like, yeah, when you win, it's fantastic because it's like, all oh, it's all you. But when you lose, it's also like, it's, it cuts to the, the opposite way. It's also all you. Yeah. And I think in, in team sports, it's easier to be that kind of character that can view themselves as like the special one. And everybody else is just kind of like the, the slackers one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're there to like carry your shoes or whatever. Uh, so is that your uh, kind yeah. of like... Yeah, so I was going to, you know, turn it over to one of you. When did you... You want to go? Have or your sure. meltdown last. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Mark, too bad you have to play later. Cheers. Uh, play and teach. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, it's interesting. I, I didn't think about it before I asked... Well, I didn't know what the topic was, so we sat yeah. down. So, Which is how I, I really enjoy doing these shows that way. The I have a really specific picture that came to mind for me. There are a lot of times where I was uh, just being a dick and a brat on the court. In high school, I was only able to play two years of high school tennis. I was homeschooled, long story. Uh, I played junior, senior year of high school, and... I walked in my junior year and was one singles oh. at a small, like a private, like Lutheran school. Did like, that feed your ego? You think? Definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it was kind of it's funny. Like I, I, I think I was still a nice person. Yeah. Uh, like I, I feel like I was still like humble. I, I didn't. But to speak to what you said before, but there was almost kind of an expectation in my mind, like I was going to be number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so when there was that kind of feeding of like the, oh yeah, yeah, of course, like, of course, like that's what I expected. And then it worked out that way. And then when I went to college and after, after doing really well as a big fish in a very small pond in high school and not making my college team, my, Mm -hmm. my freshman year, and then barely like squeaking on the team my sophomore year and walking on suddenly i was put in a position where i was like the whipping boy day after day after day after day and i carried in this uh, now in hindsight like i could and but i it blindsided me uh in the moment right but i carried in this like kind of posture of i i don't think i i mean my my view of myself was unrealistic like there's there's no question about it um, I didn't have the, uh, the depth or, or breadth of experience yet competitively to really understand where I fit in, in the grand scheme of things. So, so I carried in kind of a perfectionistic mindset. And when I started to lose a lot, it was very hard for me psychologically to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so I started cultivating this internal anger 
uh, towards myself. Whereas, like, why can't I? Why every time I lost a point or a game or a set or a match, I was like, what? Like, what's happening? Like, I had this like rage of like, what's going on? Like, I'm blowing it. Like, this is ridiculous. But in looking back and in, in you know in hindsight, um, I had no uh, right to have that attitude. Right. I, I wasn't that good. <laughs> it, it's, it's such a common... I mean, I, I think what you just said and coming over to you, Mark, I, I think it's going to be an aha moment for most of the people listening to this where they've probably had some sort of that moment where they had some self-reflection and like, really? I, I was behaving like that? And again, it doesn't necessarily mean you're behaving to an opponent poorly. Mm-hmm. It's just really your own behavior internally, a lot of it. Obviously, when it comes to like purely disrespecting your opponent, is like you know a clearly bad conscious hook, but you know throwing your racket or yelling at yourself—that's just you look like look you so looking like, like an idiot, yeah. yeah, but not disrespecting the right. opponent. So the specific time in my head that that comes to mind it really is interesting, really kind of similar uh, um, environment to what you described. I was at NCAA uh, nationals in uh, Florida, uh, and. We we were typically good enough to make Natwig. We would win our region, uh, Division Two, uh, NCAA, and then go just get dominated by the other regions. <laughs> yeah. So D two like, is the kind good of regions. D two is kind of a small niche. Um, it's probably the smallest out of the I think four possible um, divisions in college tennis. But is it? It's Ferris State. Who else was in your region? Uh, we were in Gle- uh, Great, Great Lakes uh, okay. Athletic, whatever. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. the whole... Like, yeah, but it was like uh, North. It was Michigan. It yeah. was like Northern Indiana, yep. uh, some of Ohio. Uh, I think occasionally we'd play some, a team from Illinois, but mostly Michigan, yep. mostly Michigan schools. So we would like each year make it to nationals, go down and just get crushed <laughs> on outdoor slow hard courts by, yeah. by super you know talented players. <laughs> anyway... So that's the context, and uh, I, I picked up a habit of bouncing my racket. I never smashed rackets. I never like ch- really chucked the, rackets. The, were you throwing on the tip of or the the hammer throw or the straight down? Uh, the straight down, okay, so, yeah. so that yep. it comes out. Like I got really it. good at bouncing <laughs> it and, and flipping it up, yep. and like and just kind of making it look kind of smooth. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> and uh, it got to the point where I just started using more and more like force, and it was almost like I was kind of daring myself, like how hard can I bounce this thing? So I have this uh, memory of like playing a really good team in doubles in uh, uh, NCAA uh, nationals. And we're Mark Hamelman and I playing them really mm. close. And in hindsight, like I, when I think about that performance, like I was, it was like I was probably playing really well against a very very good team, and I bounced it hard enough to actually like cr- break it to crack it. And I sat down on the bench trying to change over. It was the same kind of thing. Mark was like, "What are you doing? Right? Like what? Like and, and it, I had like this shame like moment, and where it was like it kind of like opened my eyes. Like, I, like what am I doing? Like I should be having fun right now." Mm. Uh, anyway, that's my, that's what comes to mind for me. Yeah. It's like in a moment where I should have been enjoying it so much and I should have, I should have been in the moment and having so much like, uh, fun competing. It was the opposite of that. And, and that's really a shame. Well, the yeah. important question is, did you win that match? No, oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Typically when the, the <laughs> yeah. Ferris crew went down there, there was no All matches right. won. Even like our best players that were, yeah. I mean, r- ridiculous. Like the, you know the top one or two guys, which typically there was separation from one and two, and like kind they of would the rest have good team. matches. Yeah, and but then they would still number lose. like three, four, five, six would kind of get yeah. Were they foreigners? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, because I'm seeing that in D1 and D2 and even a little bit of D3 now, yep. where it's like, oh, this guy from Eastern Germany that barely speaks English is just yep. Yep. an absolute stud at the number one spot. So for me, and it's kind of in that, it's funny enough because obviously we're kind of around the same age, but all of these like eye-openers, or at least part of it, is right around, you know, the, let's say 14 and probably 20 years old kind of mark. Mm-hmm. And for my tick, um, when I was a junior, my background is uh, I was I think I was almost nationally ranked at 12 and under. And then that ranking started to drop off because I was a late bloomer where everyone was, you know, hitting that part of their life. They were like almost six feet tall. And for context, going into my freshman year in high school, I was only four foot nine and 85 pounds. I was very much a late bloomer. So that's why my ranking started to drop. That's where I'm about at right now too. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) So, you know, I was, I had a really big ego at 12 and under because I was like the number one, two, the one seed or the two seed. And these, uh, you probably never missed, right? Well, I was, I missed a little bit, but I was just very, very quick Mm -hmm. and I knew how to hit a kick serve and a slice serve. So not a lot of aces, but um, a, lot of, the, a lot of kids can't handle that at, exactly. at 12 years old. Yeah, But eventually people were hitting 100 mile per hour serves at me. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm only four foot eight. Like, <laughs> right. geez. So go, going into high school, especially in my freshman year, I played number three. So I had like 35 wins and maybe two losses at that slot. And I think I'll take a look at it. I, had, I technically have the most wins in my high school ever at the varsity level because I played number three my freshman year at <laughs> varsity and I was just rolling people. Those were fun times. But um, when I played, when I started playing number one singles and when I started losing matches that I thought I didn't want to lose, what yeah. I did was I would punch my tennis racket. Oh, oh yeah. The specifically the strings. Uh, specifically right, the strings. Right, yeah, that's, because, you know, I, I used to brutal. chuck rackets, you know, when I was 12 just because, you know, I had an ego problem and my mom was like, oh, okay, don't do that. I'm like, fine. So I find another way to do it. Oh, I could punch my racket and punch my strings. That's not damaging anything except my knuckles, but thankfully they healed. <laughs> But, you know, looking back at it, no one ever really told me, hey, stop punching your knuckles. Obviously, it just hurt after right. the match. But looking back at it now through the lens of a almost 31-year-old, I'm like, yeah, that was kind of stupid. But for me, given, that, given the fact that I do post a lot of YouTube stuff right now, especially playing my former students, one of the things that comes to mind was I, I played a, uh, a former student of mine named Drew, and he is a number one – not sorry. He's a recruit for Division One school in, I believe – North Dakota or South Dakota. And I played him twice in the past before this match, and I beat him in straight sets, which is awesome. And I played him recently, I think in February, and he destroyed me like one and two. He was playing super, super well. Mm. And then there was one specific point where um, I chucked my racket against the were tarp. You rec- were you recording this match? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll send you, it to you guys. Did you post it? Yeah, I posted it. Oh, wow. Good for you. And, yeah, the, the, reason why, awesome. and the reason why I'm kind of proud of posting it not to show that, you know, one of my former students just kicked the living tar out of me <laughs> was because I did want to show people how angry I sometimes get. Mm-hmm. And I could have, you know, d- done the easy way out and just kind of edited yeah. it out. But no, no I think it's important. Yeah. To show, I yeah. mean, it's, we're all, we're all human. Yeah. I think there's a, um, sorry, I'll Good. send it back yeah. over to you, but I, th- I think there's a kind of a, um, a bit of a consensus in the tennis community, players or coaches that, competing the right way yeah. is to have this Iceman stoic yeah. like and, yeah. th- and that's like the best way to be a competitive tennis player and we, we can talk about this like frankly I just I just don't agree with that I don't think that's realistic uh, for some point for some people it is I, I for some people that might be an ideal like mental state mm-hmm. but I, I think for most humans it's not realistic no it's I, I absolutely agree it's not realistic for most human beings I mean you have quote-unquote perfect people like Roger Federer 
Nadal with his fighting mentality. Roger, he's he went through a streak where he yeah. was a yeah, very yeah, everybody angry forgets yeah. like and getting off topic a little bit of the the gentleman's sport mm-hmm. of tennis and like you said you're not really supposed to show that emotion and Federer I mean he's like the model tennis player now but if people remember back in the day he's even talked about it where he went through his baby phase and yeah. he was I mean it was really really bad I, I think mean, a lot of fans don't realize no that they don't Roger. and and that's where I, I and I don't know if he'll ever turn he'll ever turn the corner but talk about a lot about curios on how yeah. his temperature temper and and his just his mentality i don't know if it'll change but he's I don't still see him changing i don't either I but think he enjoys it too much I, I agree but he's still 23 or something he's still pretty young in in again i don't know i agree i don't think he will change but just going <laughs> back to the fact of a lot of people forget early on professional players when they kind of clean up their act when they started winning when they were losing when they were younger. They yeah. don't remember that part of it. Because you because you don't, because there was other players dominating, and yeah. they're losing first round, second round. You don't remember those names unless you're a really hardcore fan. Yeah. Uh, Curious is 25. 25, um, yeah. So. Uh, he, yeah so. he, he's not young, but he's definitely not uh, No, I get it. Yeah. I, it's pretty again, baked in yeah, at Yeah, but, but again, it's just more of the, he's a higher profile too. Yeah. But again, a lot of these guys that went through their trials and tribulations, they're just getting beat for a second round, having their hissy fits. And Oh, wait, did we just say Roger Federer is not perfect? <laughs> oh, my God. Was, our, our tennis is going to cancel us. <laughs> Dude, you're going to get so many thumbs down I know, right? <laughs> this video now. Oh, yeah. My career is over. <laughs> there goes, there goes the, the Shane Cash. Yeah. No, yeah. But, but for real, though, I, I think there's a, a undercurrent of like an attitude that, yeah. A, yeah, certain player like fans of certain players view their mm-hmm. hero as being like this infallible like tennis machine uh and b that's the way like you're supposed to play tennis no and if you leave that little <laughs> shell of like perfection then like you're doing it wrong or something like i don't even know what, what to say you're, you're you're not playing right like that's not yeah. the way you're supposed to yeah. play tennis well and think about it like ten, maybe tennis and golf and again we've kind of talked about this before but every other sport Okay, that has, has some great meltdowns. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the club chuck in the pond. You're like, oh, damn it, I can't get that it's one. So back. classic. Yeah. Um, I gotta, but um, but if you think about like every other sport, and again, I understand at the professional level, they're they're playing for more than just pride. They're playing for paycheck endorsement. I get yeah. all that. Okay, but if a tennis player, in even if it's not. Um, uh, just being disrespectful is arguing with the ump. They're like chastised by the crowd. Yeah. Every other sport, coaches talk to umpires or refs. Yeah. Players do it, and sometimes, like you, you get like basketball, you get teed up, and it goes past that line. Think about like baseball, like it's yeah. celebrated, yes. like it's, it's encouraged yeah. for the coach to but go like, out there and kick and, dirt. And that's one thing for me personally. Can you imagine tennis? in tennis if you kick dirt on the Uncle Tony getting out of the stands, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just shaking the umpire chair. Um, but but I, I think that's always kind of been more my complaint with tennis too is and again i'm i'm not really a purist in any sport anything that can modify and change for the enjoyment and entertainment i'm typically all for but one of my constant beefs in tennis is there's not enough emotion in the game because mm-hmm. it, it's just i mean there's so emotion for curious is a good i, I yeah i think he's thing. great for the game yeah. personally yeah i mean i think he's a and that's the one thing if you look at like other sports and in 
uh, Star Wars geek reference, the Evil Empire. I love the Evil Empire, okay? Because in the classic, you almost need the good guys versus the bad guys, right? Yep. And in in other sports, right, you've had that where um, for a while in basketball, everybody wanted to see Golden State win because mm-hmm. they were new and hot. And then they started dominating. Everyone's like, oh, they can't stand Curry and he's, he's strutting too much. And, and they be, kind of became villains. And that's fun. Like you, it, It's fun to have that. Like the Patriots winning every single year in football. <laughs> uh, uh, and then Brady yeah, winning again. Okay. You know? <laughs> Stupid Brady. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it's fun to kind of have that dynamic. And, and th- you had that more in the 80s, right, with McEnroe and, and yeah. Connors. And they were the Last little... Dance documentary, I, I yeah. thought they highlighted that so well with the Pistons yes. and uh, Rodman yeah. against the Bulls. I didn't see that. I should. Oh, it's so Dude, good. Dude, it's really it's, good. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah, any competitor, any yeah. athletic fan should watch that yep. documentary. I just saw the memes. It's yeah. incredible. It, it's really good. But, again, it goes back to their... The, the the emotion in, in tennis. I, I I think there should be more. So let's sh- I, I vote we shift gears a little bit because the, the topic yeah, supposedly we topic. is regulating emotion. Yeah. <laughs> so we just we just kinda hyped up uh, or touted like emotion, showing emotion. Yep. But I think we'd all agree that there's a certain line that when it gets like you know, we all shared yeah. stories that I think we would all say were negative examples. So coming back from ten minutes ago, um my eye opener with um my former student Drew is when I chucked my racket against the back tarp and then someone called me out on the comments on it, which is good. Yeah, I, I want yeah, I want great. you guys yeah, to call me great. out. Like <laughs> I'm not perfect. I'm the closest thing to perfect there possibly is on YouTube. But you mean closest thing from? Yes, closest thing from. <laughs> yeah, that's that a really critical. Okay, uh, <laughs> Freudian slip. Sorry. Um, can you tell I'm a little bit humble? <laughs> but someone did call me out, and thankfully, and they said, "Dude, there is a lesson in an indoor tennis facility next to you that's like a seven-year-old kid learning how to hit a forehand. You look like an idiot." And I'm like, "You know what? And this happened in a regionals match too, right?" Yes, you kind of you got called level. out, yeah, in, in that also in a whole different level, uh, in a slightly different level. There was a third party there, meaning the, the umpire. No, I did not kick dirt on him, but at the time I <laughs> wanted to. Because hard courts. He brings a little baggie, yeah. like a little baggie full of dirt, <laughs> right in the eyes. But you know, and I followed up in you know I was in a hotel room obviously because I was in, in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, which is apparently like Las Vegas of the Midwest, and. <laughs> I can't even say that was your face. That's good. But I'm like, oh, Shout I apologize. Out Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> I and yeah, I look like an idiot. And I thought I, I really appreciated that you you uploaded the yeah. the like sorry guys video. Yeah. I, I thought it was really good of you to to handle it that way. And was it easy? Absolutely not. I would argue it's one of the hardest videos I've had to I didn't even script it. I just kinda had some talking points and I just edited it and I'm just like okay well, let's publish this and you know it was good feedback I saw your feedback on that too so uh, yeah if I remember comments. correctly my, my comment was essentially it's so important to share yeah. things like this because it's real like this is real life for exactly. like if you're going to be uh, it takes seriously competitive tennis you will have to deal with those emotions yeah like there's no way to insulate yourself from <laughs> that kind of frustration so I'm like, yeah, that's an, I'm like, oh, I got to calm down on stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's always going to be a struggle. It's never going to be, you know, you rainbows and daisies. Machine, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately not. So, you know, back to this topic, how do you guys yeah. deal with yeah. it? Yeah. So let's, let's kind of yeah. go around the table and give some like super like practical, like for ourselves personally, what has, what's been like the go-to mindset or perspective or like strategy or whatever tip 
to to handle it a little bit better. Are we talking during a match or after the match? During, I think during. During, during after during. it's pretty clear what we use yeah. to handle emotions with in the form <laughs> yeah, of liquid therapy. <laughs> so um, for me, I, I just when I'm on the court and it's starting, the momentum starting to shift, and I'm possibly making errors that I wasn't making, and I'm starting to get frustrated with myself. Honestly, I just take, hopefully it could be during the changeover if I'm walking back to the curtain. I just kind of take a, for me, a Zen moment of this is a time. Think about Batman. Yeah, think about Batman. (laughs) Think about Batman. (laughs) But this is a time, and again, I'm in a different place than obviously others, right? I have a wife and two kids where I'm looking at this is a time I enjoy being on the court. And if I'm going to continue to be angry, this is not going to be time well spent for me where I could have been doing this for two hours instead. Um, so like it's so much easier said than done though. It, it, it's it, like, it's one thing to tell yourself, it, but it is. And, and again, it doesn't, I, I think the other thing honestly is the cues and practical things we're going to give people. It's not always going to work, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's no magic formula for how you're going to process or if you're going to be able to get over it. But for me, it's just more of like, in the moment of putting in perspective of my time, which, as you know, being a dad too, you don't have a lot of. And, it's precious. Yeah, and I can keep getting angrier and angrier and angrier, <laughs> or I can, you know, chill out a little bit and see how the, the chips fall and things like that. I don't really have like a you know, like a rubber band on the wrist where I snap it or, you know, I hit the ball at the curtain, you know, I'll, I'll for me, like kind of yell something out. I typically yell my last name, like Lemory or damn it. something like that. (laughs) But then it's it's like that, like burst. I'm usually now there could be more that follow that, but then I'm usually, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm always fine, but I'm trying to bring the emotion down with, with that. So, I mean, Again, mine is just more of inside my own head of putting in perspective of like, why am I here? What, you know, should I really be getting that angry for missing three forehands in a row? And um, hopefully the answer is no. Sometimes it's probably still yes. So you're saying that you yelling out short bursts of, you know, vocal anger helps a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and I'll go the other, I'll go the other way too, in all honesty, when, you know, maybe I'm fighting on some points or building some momentum and I hit a really good shot or it's been a long rally. I mean, I'll yell out the come on, let's go, you know, to myself and, and can, things like that. Can I give you a recommendation? You sure. Uh, bue. We, we'll say what? Bue. bue. Okay. Andre Rublev. <laughs> I'll show you oh, later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that come on, obviously, as you said, that's um, having a good balance of like, you know, shouting yourself out in a slightly negative tone, but yeah. obviously, I think it's a form of encouragement. Right. Uh, vocal self-coaching. Thanks, Alex Lau. Shout out to you. But Alex. it's... <laughs> I would love to get him on this. Just oh, he'd be thoughts. fantastic. Oh, yeah, great. especially I, for this topic. I would imagine him being t- completely transparent. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, as you said, um, you know, it's a good thing to have the opposite side of having a more positive vocal outburst right. after something goes your way, in on the singles court. Yeah, I think different personality. You know, I think just naturally some of us are more fatalist or pessimistic, and other people are more optimist, optimistic, and like rainbows and unicorns yep. and, and whatever. puppy dogs and ice cream yeah yeah um, just out of curiosity so you're more uh pessimist uh my tagline for that is i'm pretty optimistic for a pessimist 
I like I like that. Yeah, I can kind of I can kind of relate to that. Yeah. What, what about you? I'd probably say I'm more optimistic. Like, okay, yeah. I mean, there's there's some things I, I guess I'm pessimistic about, but I, I think I'm more optimistic on. And, and it's tough. I mean, we've gotten to know each other a, a lot more in the obviously the last year than we have. There's not a lot of things that really get deep under my skin that bother me. So I have a very laid back <laughs> personality to start. Um, so and, it's interesting that you would like kind of connect with the negative uh, outburst when maybe personality wise you're, you're yeah, a little more on the Yeah, and positive. I think it's just more of like own expectations in yourself and, and things yeah. like that. But yeah, I would I'd probably say I'm more optimistic <laughs> okay. on that end. I like to, I like to say I'm a, I like to think I'm a realist, but I'm probably leaning a little on the pessimistic uh, side of things. So I t- I tend to have more of a negative. Uh, not to say like listen, I would say the last six months as I've come out and started to compete again have been the most happiness I've had in competing very tense like competitive situations. I'm very happy with where I am right now uh, mentally as a, as a competitor. But on average, if I have to let out some kind of like emotional steam, it's it's more it's more on the negative side mm-hmm. for me, hmm. and I think it's important to do. Yeah, um, I think everybody has kind of a a um, an ideal place on the spectrum from like being very uh, bored and unengaged. Uh, is that a word? Unengaged. In, unengaged in, in, unengaged sure unengaged. Unengaged. and like <laughs> disengaged just, there you go there, yeah, there disengaged go. and just like not into it and all the way over on the other, far other end of the spectrum like just freaking out and like <laughs> way over like hyped and and stimulated and i think everybody has like a perfect mm-hmm. spot on that spectrum so like you know bjorn borg is like hanging out at like a two and a half or a three yeah. and just like chill and like relaxed um Mac and, and roll there you yeah. go. Yeah, I was trying to, yeah, McEnroe, like his ideal state is like at a nine, like yeah. like Plays borderline best, yeah. freak out. Like, Let mode. the hate flow through you. Yep. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, that's so I, I think it's important to to point out like professional examples that span the whole spectrum, and people I think need to um, self. Uh, I um, identify with where it is on the spectrum. And sometimes you might need encouraging positive, mm-hmm. you yep. know, to get yourself further up the spectrum. And other times I think you need to get, talk yourself down from the ledge from too high up on yeah. the spectrum. Uh, and I'm more of the latter. Like I, mm-hmm. I have to try to work my way uh, down more times than I have to pick myself up. So how do you deal with it though? The anxiety, the pressure? Yeah, I think um, uh, something Matt mentioned earlier uh, additional perspective has been super, super key for me. When I, when I realized that somebody on my college team who even back in college, I viewed as a far superior athlete, physically, technically, uh, uh, mentally, like in all parts of the game, like far superior to me. When I realized that, that he went to Europe and played futures and challengers for like six or eight months Mm -hmm. and didn't win a single match. If I, uh, and I was like, okay, so I know I'm not even close to him and he obviously is not going to make it, you know, as a professional tennis player, but gave it, you know, gave it his best shot. That was the first, I think, big wake up call for me perspective wise, where I was like, wow, like that just put me in my place in terms of my own perspective of myself. And that helped, I think, realign my uh, expectations uh, on the court. Yeah. And now with like work and family and 
I've after really hitting rock bottom uh, at the end of college, I had to kind of have a reckoning with myself yeah. about uh, how important the game was to me and uh, my need to realign myself like spiritually and mentally mm-hmm. like with the game. I, re- I re- realized the leaving college that if I didn't do that, I was just going to be a miserable person on the court. Well, and I like, hated that idea. Well, it's not like tennis has anything to do with what you do day to day, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's not it's, essential pickleball. <laughs> and for, I guess maybe it's complicated for me in that sense, but I, I kind of um, separate my, mm-hmm. my view of myself as a coach and a player. Oh, as, and as two everybody should. Two different yeah. baskets. Yeah. As everybody should. Um, and so I took a solid 15 year hiatus from viewing myself as a player at all. Yeah. And so this last uh, six or eight months has been a, um, a really interesting experience for me winding up that, uh, that clock again and seeing like what happens coming out the other side of it. So yeah, I got a great one after go ahead. I'm seeing a theme here. So you guys are starting to become more mature and handle the anxiety and the emotions. I want to go that far. Yeah, but I mean, so you're yeah, saying I'm not mature. <laughs> hey, they handle the anxiety. You're, say, yes. you're yeah, saying yeah, yeah. I'm I a 40 year old with a mohawk and two ears. Okay. Man, uh. <laughs> so you're saying I got to have two kids and a wife, and I'll become a more mentally yeah, better player. You'll, you're, you're, you'll, you'll fix yeah, everything. Right, everything. Yeah, you won't have any problems anymore. Right, there we go. I'll Leave go. your common in the. <laughs> <laughs> But it's um, so how do I handle it? I, I think the youth, especially your channel, uh, knows this. Um, I'm very sarcastic. I use humor mm-hmm. to really like get my get my mind out of the gutter in you know a negative, very negative aspect because I am more naturally a pessimist. Do you ever feel like you shoot yourself in the foot with the sarcasm and like the in, the, qui- the quippy like? Uh... <sighs> In what way, though? Being, being a smartass. Like, do you ever feel like it, it takes your mind off the the comp- being a good competitor? Um, mm, it takes, that's a good question. It, ooh, that's, it takes my mind off of it, but in a good way, because I am very, very much invested in the tennis match and especially the results of it to where actually like having like a quick joke, like something I do nowadays is... Sort of. <laughs> well, that, that too, mm-hmm. like, because I'm like... I'm super angry. I want to break a racket. I I don't want to maybe do a Djokovic where I hit an umpire in the throat with a tennis ball, but you know I'm freaking angry and just yelling out Zverev as kind of like a meme or like it, it makes me laugh. It like releases just, your negative. Yeah, it, it, like, it does. It does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Zverev. You you have Lemery. I have yeah. Zverev. It's as simple as that. And one of the things I do is I think you saw this with um, I think it was might have been against Alex uh, Lau in one of the matches here a few months ago where someone would hit a clean winner past me, not even close to the line and i'll look at the mark sarcastically and I'll say okay i'll give it to you it barely caught the line mm-hmm. when it was clearly in obviously that's not really you know the most professional thing to do but i'm not changing a line call <laughs> but it's one of those things where i'm like you know using humor in a very sarcastic way to kind of balance you ease my way yeah. back into that you know spectrum of like oh i used to be at a 10 and a half now with a few jokes and you know some sarcasm aside and more like a seven and a half which is probably my ideal state as a competitive tennis player in singles. So you feel like the, the jokes help yeah. help release the... Absolutely. The stress? Yeah. Okay. It, it takes me out of the game, but not in a way that you kind of phrased it. It takes me out of the game in a way that makes me perform better as a human being on the court. 
And I think it's important to come back to, I think all three of us at some point have talked about how it's going to be different for different people. If I made sarcastic jokes to myself, it would increase my... Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could definitely get, see that. Yeah. I'd get more pissed at myself because yeah. <laughs> it, it would just be like a low-key way, way of me like like chastising myself. Right, <laughs> yep. Uh, so that funny. wouldn't work for me no. at all. Okay. I have to come back to like appreciation or like perspective or like gratitude. Uh, that's kind of what works best uh, for, for me personally. Yeah. But every, like everybody's going to have mm-hmm. a different kind of release point. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of going back to the perspective moment. So I had two perspective moments uh, out of college. So I, I played a little bit right out of college, but, and we've talked about this before, but I got big into an Illinois platform tennis. And uh, um, so I was doing tennis in the summer and then platform tennis in the winter. And it was pretty funny. So we we're, my part in platform tennis is strictly doubles. Yeah. But we were playing against, um, and, and our team was really good. I think I was nationally ranked at the time. Mm. And um, so we we're playing this. What, what level? Uh, so series one, the highest level and wow, there nice. is. Yeah. And so we were, we need to play some paddles. I know I can't wait, um, <laughs> but we were playing this team and again, I was playing tournaments. I was investing a lot of time. We were playing this team that just kind of started playing maybe a couple years in and my partner and I ended up winning, but I was very like disappointed in the win. Cause again, I thought we should have, we should have beat them worse than we did. And my partner, he played at Ohio State, so he was a big-time tennis player. Oh. And he looked at me, he goes, man, those guys were good. And I looked at him like, yeah, because you don't have a ranking next to your name doesn't mean you're not a good player. So that was like my, started to become my aha moment. And then I'll never forget, I was hitting with a member uh, at one of my clubs, and he was a probably like low 4-5 or just on that cusp of like very high 4-0. And we were playing, and we were playing on my favorite surface, Clay, and he would have beat me pretty bad on like a fast hard court. I just, mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, but I, I beat him like 6 4, and he was like disappointed in my performance. Um, he thought I should have beat him worse. Like that was the first time we've ever played. So he mm-hmm. doesn't really know my level, but he assumes because I'm a coaching professional that I'm like some amazing stud <laughs> D1 player, or whatever. And I looked at him and I said, I haven't really played tennis like trained in tennis for like six years. I'm like, I'm actually very happy with what I just did. So he was like trying to bring me down a little bit and I went up, but again, it was the aha moment of perspective of like how much you're putting into your game. How much do you, how much realistic time do you have to do it? And the other thing too, like I would say to people, and this is tough in the club setting, most people don't care how well you're doing in tennis. I mean, they don't. I mean, you you're, you can go home and say, hey, you tell your wife or your friends, but it's it's funny, like most of my friends don't play tennis or I like have a crew that plays platform tennis and they're pros. But if I said to my crew, like, hey, I played a match on the essential tennis court and I won, they'd be like, great. What do you want to do for later? You know, they just, it's just not. So I think it's kind of putting it of, you know, what, what, what are these triggers that are really getting you upset as well? Yeah. I think something you just said, and we'll probably start wrapping it up. Uh, unfortunately, I've, we could probably talk about this for like mm-hmm. three hours. But I think something you just said is, is uh, really important that transition, at least for me, when I left college, that was, uh, up until that point, all the, like the most important thing in my life to me mm-hmm. all day, every day w- yep. was tennis. And I, I feel like I had to step away from that, uh, experience for a while and really reflect on where I was, like the dark place that I was mentally before I could really kind of detach 
those negative uh, strings and go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and tennis is still like my life and my career, but but my identity as a player uh, now, thankfully, is not like how I how you view it. Yeah, it's not like my how I perceive my value like in the world is like whether i win or lose uh thank god that's like that would be terrible especially with a youtube you know audience and all that (laughs) well isn't that kind of weird that um you have to have like almost not a completely split personality but you know some sort of partition in your head Uh, there has to be for for tennis coach and you as a competitor yeah, and, and I mean, I even think, though, from on the club level side, too, I mean, I, I'll never forget, I, I spoke to one, uh, a client, this was obviously years ago, and you said something, uh, I don't know if it was um, one of your emails you sent out, and this was probably a year ago, is you should have almost like a, a, a good nervous energy. Like anytime you, like almost anything in indication. life, right? Yeah, yeah, like, hey, in your career, like you're starting something new, you're talking to a big client, you're, st- you're competing, that's, that's fun. Should be important to yeah. you. Yeah. But at the same time, if you are, I, I'll never forget, I talked to this lady and she was basically like, she was angry all the time, she was stressed, and I flat out looked at her, I'm like, why are you playing? Like, if you're not having fun, and, and again, everybody competes different, but I'm like, if you're not enjoying your time, you shouldn't be, right yeah, <laughs> you shouldn't be doing this. And I think as like a lot of club players do as well, they, they associate their identity with wins and losses. And that's yeah. unfortunate because you hear a lot of people, you know, my friend moved up. I want to be on this team, USTA. No. Like, it, it, it's just so much baggage you're, you're carrying with you. It should not be a – I mean, yeah, it's fun to win and all that. But if you have that mentality and you step on the court and you're playing somebody lower than you – you're you're putting so much stress or playing somebody better than you like you have your time to shine you still don't win that it's just mm-hmm. you're i don't think you'll have any triggers to settle you down because it's just going to keep that stress is just going to keep mounting yeah it's been really evident to me the last several months as the this match against uh ben mm-hmm. has been really hyped up and I, I don't know how many messages i've read from <laughs> from people on the internet saying like so if you lose this match, your career's done, right? Like you're, <laughs> no. like you're, you're like done. you're finished. Just close the door. You <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like do the, do a montage video, like, <laughs> just walking away. Yeah, yeah. Sarah like, McLaughlin. Yeah. Yeah. the police tape over the door. <laughs> but there's a certain percentage of tennis players out there who yeah. they, they have that kind of view of like winning and losing, and and that's man, I feel bad for. If I had that view, like, yeah, there's no way I could play no. tennis. Like, no. just, it'd be impossible because every point would have so oh. much weight. It, yeah. it would be impossible to play well. Yeah. So you shout negatively and positively. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like Jekyll and Hyde. I'll do, I'll do both. And overall, what's yours? Um, I would say I'm probably 70-30 for negative. Yeah. Like, I... I I, I love a good come on every now and then, okay. but but I, I lean a little heavier towards the like trying to calm the negative uh, energy. So cal- calming is your releasing or yeah yeah. Okay. yeah yeah mine is sarcasm. <laughs> sarcasm. <laughs> so. What is yours? Yeah, what, what's yeah, yours? I would love to know like super some of the comments. What is uh, what what are what are their tells or not tells, but what are their methods? Oh, I'm sure some of us uh, in the comment section will bring uh, write down something like whiskey on a changeover. Yeah, and whiskey <laughs> in the water bottle. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be more conventional ones, and that's perfectly okay. But there's going to be some weird ones that I'll get, and I I want to see what they say. Yeah, That'd for be sure. Awesome. 
Who knows? It might even work better for me than these <laughs> stupid, sarcastic comments you guys hear every now and then. I mean, the videos will be more boring. Yeah, but, right. No, no, no. But maybe, maybe who knows? Yeah, yeah. you got to try different stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for yeah. sharing. Great episode. Uh, again, I feel like we could just probably yeah, just keep about talking this about this yeah. until yeah. the whiskey's gone. But mm. but we need to uh, need to move, move on. on. So thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it, and make sure to subscribe to the Shankcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back soon with a new episode. <laughs>